You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. 1983. What does that bring up for you in terms of thoughts or uh, emotions or uh, songs or movies or TV shows? Uh, it was a very significant year for me. Uh, I graduated from high school that year, and that's also the year I started college. Uh, it is the year that I met my wife, Mary Margaret. In fact, we um, I, I, I've made a lot to do about this. She just sort of looks at me blankly when I make up a lot to do about this, but um, uh, she is down in the kids' building today, so I can talk about this while she's not here. That's what good marriages do, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I, it's like, hey, in August, I'm like, we have known each other for 40 years. It's like, wow, 40 years, yeah. So we celebrated our 40th anniversary, and she's like, uh, of knowing each other, and she's like, well, when are we actually going to celebrate it? And it's like, well, we're are now empty nesters, so it's a perpetual nonstop celebration, right? Yes, that's it. But 40 years, uh, we met the first uh, week of our freshman year of college back in August of 1983. Uh, She had braces, I had hair. A lot has changed since then. A lot has changed. Less significant about 1983, but still worth noting, uh, especially if you are a preppy, which I am, uh, J. Crew started that year. Yeah, good stuff. They opened for business. Now, from the pop culture side of things, uh, and I love pop culture, and I especially loved 80s pop culture, um, Every Breath You Take was released by the police from their album, Synchronicity. I mean, a major song, all right? In fact, uh, back in 2019, BMI named it the most played song in radio history. So that's pretty significant. It was back in 1983. Also in 83, NBC, uh, the network I used to work for a long, long, long time ago, released a new TV series called The A-Team. Any of you remember The A-Team? Remember The A-Team? Now, this was happening when I was in college. It was on four years, the entire four years I was in college. I didn't see it because I didn't have cable in college. Uh, But it was about former members of a fictitious uh, U.S. Army Special Forces unit. And the four members, they were tried by court-martial for a crime that they did not commit. uh, But they were convicted and they were sentenced to serve prison terms in a military prison. But they escaped to Los Angeles and began working as soldiers of fortune while they were trying to clear their names. Now, among the series, more memorable characters was the team's strongman. You see him there, Mr. T himself, Sergeant First Class Bosco, B.A. Bad Attitude Baracus, uh, who played, uh, and and he was uh, quite the memorable character, and, and he is best known for actually catchphrases that came later with such movies as like Rocky Three, and that actually is uh, the series title for our new series, I Pity the Fool, yes. <laughs> We're gonna talk about, we are gonna talk about 
wisdom from Proverbs and the difference between folly and wisdom uh, as laid out by, uh, by the book of Proverbs. Earlier this year, uh, Roger and I were discussing upcoming message series, and I knew that we wanted to do one on Proverbs and on wisdom, and Roger had shared with me when he and Angela were pastoring in North Carolina that they had done a series with this title. I was like, it's time for a reboot. So that's what we're doing. We are rebooting I Pity the Fool, and we're focusing on the ancient wisdom for modern living uh, that's found in this Old Testament book of wisdom uh, from, uh, from God's Word. Let's talk about wisdom for a second, because it's very different than knowledge or intellect. It's, it's very, very different from that. We all know that we live in information overload, and we think the more information that we have, the more intelligent, the smarter the wiser we are, but that's not necessarily the case because wisdom is the ability to judge correctly and to apply the right course of action, the right course of information, the right course of facts in order to live our best life. Because every day, every day, you and I, no matter if we are 20 or if we're 80 or everything in between, if we're rich, if we're poor, if we're an introvert or an extrovert, every day, all of us, make lots of choices where we get to choose whether or not we're going to live like a wise person or like a fool, to choose wisdom over folly. That is presented to us over and over every day. And the simple and practical wisdom that God gives us in Proverbs teaches us how to live life well in every arena of our lives. And ultimately, know this, that wisdom It is eternal, okay? This is not about new information. Wisdom is eternal and it originates from the very heart of God. And that's important for us to know. And its greatest reward, wisdom's greatest reward is is deeper intimacy with him. It's it's relational. It's not just a, a factual thing or an informational thing. It is relational. A desire to grow in wisdom is ultimately a desire for all of us to grow closer to God. And so this is not about just having good information or make right decisions. Ultimately, this series is a call for us to draw near to our God, who is a God of wisdom. And so today, uh, the key verse that we're gonna begin with is found in Proverbs chapter nine, uh, verse 10. Uh, It is a verse, uh, a foundational verse, really for understanding all of Proverbs. Uh, We're going to focus on that today, and it's this, Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So we are going to begin at the starting point at the beginning. We're going to begin at the beginning uh, with this essential foundation for all true wisdom, the fear of the Lord. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here with our worship, with our open hearts, our open minds, our open spirits to you, Lord. Come. We thank you for your word Uh, We thank you that uh, your word is spirit-breathed and it gives life and it draws us to life, life to the full. And we thank you that that's exactly what your wisdom does. So come, Holy Spirit, uh, direct us and guide us. Speak 
to us. And I, I ask that, that you would speak through me that, that my words would be uh, in submission to your words, the things that you want to say through me. Come, Holy Spirit, come to each of us, stir our hearts toward you, draw us closer to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, before we dive into Proverbs 9.10, uh, where we're going to sort of rest for today. Uh, let me give you a brief overview about this book of Proverbs, okay? In fact, we've got uh, some small, uh, just small uh, copies of the message uh, of Proverbs, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, which I love. And one of the beautiful things about Proverbs is that there are 31 of them. And these are things that I would encourage you to read on an ongoing basis. Uh, it's not just, well, I read Proverbs last year, so I'm good. No, this is something that I would encourage all of us to, to have a ready, uh, just a, a regular diet of, a regular stream of, of just reading these. And the cool thing today is what, September 10th? So read Proverbs 10. And if you don't get around to it the next few days on the 15th, uh, this Friday, pick it up and read Proverbs 15. Uh, we've got one per household. I encourage you to take it, but I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, much of Proverbs uh, is uh, comprised of Hebrew poetry. A lot of it's attributed to King Solomon, who's considered to be the wisest man, uh, King David's son. Uh, but there are actually many different contributors to the book of Proverbs, uh, in addition to King Solomon. Now, a little breakdown for you. Chapters 1 through 9, it contains speeches about virtue, integrity, generosity. And in these chapters, wisdom is personified as a woman who leads us to true beauty and to fullness of life. Lady Wisdom invites us to a feast of life, while her rival Folly invites us to a feast of death. Now, if you move on from chapters 20, I mean, it's actually chapters 10 through 29, uh, that's when we get a lot of the assortment of little short, memorable sayings, and they deal with everything. This is where it gets incredibly practical. We're talking about dealing with money, our relationships, our work ethic, the words that we use, um, our, our sexuality. It deals with all those things. And then the book of Proverbs concludes with more wisdom about fearing the Lord from two other contributors, Agur and Lemuel, and then a wonderful description of the excellent wife in Proverbs 31. So that's sort of an overview. We'll be talking more each week about what Proverbs says to us and how we should apply it. Uh, but today, again, our focus is Proverbs 9, verse 10, uh, where true wisdom, all true wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, typically, when we see the word fear in Scripture, we're told, fear not, don't fear, Right? Uh, you know, Jesus said that many times to uh, his disciples, uh, but this is not about being afraid or being filled with terror. The fear of the Lord that's used here uh, speaks to awe and reverence for God. And it also speaks to a very healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And so uh, when we think of that, the fear of the Lord, awe and reverence for the Lord, that's the, the starting place for wisdom and, and having a healthy respect for what he says is good and what he says is evil. When is the last time that you've been awed by something? Think about that. Maybe it was a sunset, 
Maybe it was watching uh, an incredible athlete. Uh, when is the last time that you were awed by something? Whenever I see the word awe, uh, I immediately go back to one of my trips to India. Uh, our church was involved with missions work there, and, and we ended up going five or six times. Uh, an amazing country, uh, and it was just a, a really, really powerful time. And I remember one time we were flying, uh, we were flying from the, the city of Shillong uh, to back to Delhi, and I remember it was a, a beautiful day. It was a very, very clear day, and the pilot, uh, right in the middle of the flight, he says, hey, everyone, uh, take a look out your window, and uh, Shillong was up in the northeast section of uh, India at the foothills of the Himalayas. And looking out our window, right there was Mount Everest. It was as clear, and we were up, I mean, we we're up like 30,000 feet, and there's Mount Everest. I mean, it's like, whoa. And I still, when I think of the word awe, I always go back to that just seeing that the God of the universe, the God who loves us and is for us and created us, created that incredible mountain range and the whole universe that we live in. And just getting to see the heights of that in that moment, it was incredible. And this fear of the Lord, this sense of reverence and awe before God, it makes clear how great he is and how small we are. It gives us perspective. It gives us perspective about our place in the universe. And this is, helps to develop a mindset that recognizes an important truth for all of us to know and to be reminded of, that he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. Uh, and we don't get to make up what's right and wrong for ourselves. We don't. Um, we try to, certainly, don't we? Well, I'm choosing this to be my right and this to be my truth, but we know that the consequences of that, uh, they, they lead to death, and God's word bears that out over and over and over again. True wisdom means learning God's boundary lines and choosing not to cross them. That's what true wisdom is. It's about recognizing God, you are God. You are great and you are mighty and you are awesome. You are loving and you are true. And you have laid out uh, a good path for us. Uh, you are the good shepherd who leads us and guides us along good paths. And I can trust you and I can follow you because your boundary lines are good. And when I choose to cross them, that's where I experience things that are not good. The fear of the Lord is a posture of humility before God. Again, embracing his standards, his definitions of good and evil, even and especially when it is difficult for us to, to, to adhere to that. The book, the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the fear of the Lord, not just Proverbs 9, verse 10. Here are just some of the things uh, that Proverbs says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, that it add, adds length to life that it is a fountain of life. It leads to life uh, better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Because typically that's what we have. We have the fear of the Lord or we can have turmoil. Uh, through the fear of the Lord, evil is avoided. Another Proverbs tells us. And humility is the fear of the Lord. And then the, the writer of Proverbs also tells us, uh, always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. 
Be zealous for it. Don't be passive about it. Uh, to grow in the sense of awe and wonder for who God is and for all that he has done and all that he wants to do and continues to do. Wisdom is a quality. It's an attribute of God himself. Uh, and it was an attribute that he used and put into play when he created the world. Um, the apostle Paul wrote, wrote to the Roman church and he said, oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Our God is ultimate wisdom. He is wisdom. And so as we seek wisdom, it's about seeking more of him. Uh, Proverbs 3.19 says, By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. Now, the word for wisdom in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, is hukmah. It is a word that's often attributed uh, to craftsmen, uh, how they make things, how they form things, how they shape things. And as the ultimate master craftsman, God wove his wisdom into the fabric of everything that he created, everything. And when we follow his, his wise guidance, life really works well, okay? It does. It works well. And things happen in hukmah, uh, in godly wisdom, good things happen. And when we make bad decisions, we're actually going against that hukmah. Uh, godly wisdom is, is like the operating system uh, for the world uh, that God created, that God installed. And for us to make life the best that it can be, uh, we need to live our lives according to God's wisdom. It's moral law. It's a pattern of cause and effect that none of us can escape, okay? None of us can. Ultimately, none of us can escape. Now, these proverbs, these proverbial sayings, assume that God works through life, and that is our foundation on that. But as you read proverbs, we need to understand as you're reading the 31 proverbs that these are what's referred to as gnomic truth, that by nature, the proverbs are really about probabilities. They're not promises or guaranteed formulas for success. Because as you read them, all of us probably know uh, whether in the lives of people around us or people in our own, uh, our own lives, where we've read something, it's like, okay, I've seen lazy people all of a sudden prosper and they, they're successful or um, for just all kinds of reasons. Maybe uh, someone who was very lazy, but they ended up uh, buying a lottery ticket. Or, or, or someone who worked really, really, really hard and, and sought the Lord and how they ran their business but ended up closing as a result of situations and circumstances that were beyond their control. Uh, we, we see it in our own lives, maybe in terms of your marriage relationship. Maybe you endeavored to live as a godly wife or a godly husband in alignment with the, the word of God from Proverbs, the wisdom of God from Proverbs, and your marriage ended. Um, Proverbs simply tells us how life works most of the time, okay? It's conventional wisdom. If you do this, this will happen. Um, we can worry about exceptions after we've learned the rules, but when we try to live by the exceptions, that's when life gets really, really squirrely, okay? We court disaster. That's just when things really, really fall apart. 
And I want to say this, Proverbs is part of uh, three books that comprise wisdom literature in the Old Testament. And, and the three books really form a clearer picture of the, the, the whole story. You've got Proverbs. Uh, conventional, proverbial wisdom uh, tells us how life works most of the time. But then also you've got the book of Job. And if you know the story of Job, you can look at Job's life and see that this guy Job, he followed uh, the, the wisdom of Proverbs. And things didn't go really well for him, did they? They didn't go well for him at all. And so we, we see, okay, wow, what happened here? Uh, but, but God calling him to trust him and to honor him and to worship him. And then we see in Ecclesiastes, the third book, uh, much of which is attributed to, to King Solomon. He was someone who was incredibly successful when it comes to riches and power and wealth. And he asks, you know, meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. What's the purpose of life? Why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people and all those kinds of stories? And, and here's the beauty of these three together. All of them call us to trust God. Regardless of the circumstances, to trust in his wisdom, to, to trust with active obedience to his word. Uh, and that's why we need the accumulated wisdom of all three of these to get the big picture. But I will make this statement. I can and I will from my 58 years here on earth, about to be 58 here on earth. If a person fears the Lord and makes wise choices according to God's word, things will likely go well for them, right? It does. It will. And so this sense of, well, you know, there are exceptions. Well, if you're going to focus on the exceptions, uh, I, I, I just I don't want you to go down that path uh, because we live in a kingdom. The kingdom of God has come. It is not yet fully come. We live in the already and the, all, uh, the not yet of the kingdom of God. And so uh, we are called to trust God regardless of situations, regardless of circumstances, because in the end, the life that seeks God and follows his will, wisdom will lead to a better life. And I can say that with all confidence. The godly, moral, hardworking, and wise will reap rewards here and ultimately in eternity. So why are we resistant to adhering to the very simple, very basic wisdom that is laid out, particularly in the book of Proverbs? I got to say, this is not a new phenomenon, all right? This has been happening for a very long time. God's wise counsel, his boundaries, his guidelines, given in wisdom and in love and in care. Uh, they have been questioned. They have been misunderstood. They have been mistrusted since the beginning of time. All the way back to the Garden of Eden, God told Adam and Eve to enjoy all the fruit from the garden, but to stay away from the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All of the rest of the fruit. But... When Eve listened to the lies of the enemy, as we also tend to do way too often, she began to doubt God, and that's what happens with us as well. We begin to doubt God, his goodness. We doubt his motivation behind his wise instructions and his guidance, and that's a pattern that we continue to perpetuate today. God's wise counsel, it doesn't limit our well-being. It actually preserves it, and that's that's about us knowing God. The knowledge of God 
is not about a cerebral exercise. It is about an experience, tasting his love, living in his love every day, experiencing his love. Eve took the fruit, she gave it to Adam. As a result, fear, the bad kind of fear, isolation and death began reversing wisdom's order and dragging creation back into chaos. And we've been living in the throes of that since. And that's what happens in our own lives on a, on a microscopic level every time we choose folly over God's wisdom. But I want to end this morning by saying that God is for us. He loves us and he invites us to trust his loving heart for us and to choose his wisdom over our own. You know, I mentioned the, um, the song Every Breath You Take earlier um, and I'm a big Sting fan who wrote the song, a lead singer for the police. And I remember an interview with him, him saying one day, he's like, you know, uh, one of the things that's been most surprising about this song is when people said, hey, love that song. Uh, we loved it so much we had it sung in our wedding. And it's like, do you realize that song is about obsessive control and manipulation? Is that what you wanted for your wedding? Really, your marriage? Seriously? Every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. <laughs> I think sometimes that's actually the attitude we have about God, the way we see God, our Heavenly Father. That He's just waiting from His heights to catch us when we mess up, when we fall, when we choose folly over wisdom. And please hear this, please hear this this morning as we go through this entire series. God's love for us, it doesn't change whether we choose folly or wisdom. It does not change. His, his love is based on who he is, his character, not our behavior, not our choices for wisdom or for folly. That's not, that's not the way it works. So know that, know that, that he loves us. His love for us is unchanging. And the reality is some of us are here this morning and we recognize the toll, the, the toll that folly has taken on our lives. We recognize it. And we recognize the chaos that it has brought to us, the, the, just the lack of peace, the unsettledness, the, the, all kinds of fractions in relationship, maybe even the financial ruin that it has brought us through poor decisions God loves us, he's for us, and he invites us to trust his loving heart for us and to choose his wisdom. His wisdom, the wisdom, the guidance, the boundaries of our good shepherd, our loving heavenly father. And he calls us to choose wisdom today, to choose wisdom. And a word I kept getting as I was praying about uh, this, this first message of this series was that God's calling us to surrender to surrender to his wisdom, to surrender to his good paths for our lives, uh, to his goodness, to his loving wisdom, that we are called to do that. And for some of us, it's about making that determination that God, you are God and I am not. You are great and mighty and I am lowly and I am weak and I, am, uh, I, I don't have the capacity uh, that my desires are not good and my desires uh, are leading me in places that are not holy and that are not your best for me. 
So God, I repent of that and I, and I ask you to forgive me and I, I receive your grace, your mercy, and I choose to surrender to you. And for some of us, God just wants, he needs to increase as we decrease. And we're gonna be heading into worship in just a moment. In fact, worship team, if you guys wanna go ahead and come up. Um, worship is a great, a great space, a great way for us to say, okay, God, you must increase. And my myself and my circumstances, they must decrease. I want to have right perspective of who you are, God. I, I need to see that even though Mount Everest is, is in, incredibly large, 29,000 feet high, that you are greater, that that actually fits in your hands along with the rest of this world. God, help me to see you and to, to fear you in the awe and reverence the awe and reverence of fear, not the shying away or being afraid or terrorized, but the awe and the, the reverence of our holy God who is great and mighty and he loves us and he calls us to know his love. Uh, we're called to humble ourselves before the Lord. James in the wisdom book in the New Testament, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. And I believe that that's something that the Lord's calling us to as we worship him this morning, as we worship God. And I want to, I mentioned this earlier, I want to end with just maybe some reflection on this verse from Romans. Again, Romans eleven thirty three. Paul pointing to the attribute of wisdom who is our God. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing. The depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, that we would experience God, that we would not just have a, an intellectual experience of God, but we would have a heart experience of his love, of his goodness. That's God's heart for us. That's his desire for us as we come to him in worship. So I invite you to stand this morning.